Real Golf Radio. It's a reround now on the tee. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio. Hey, welcome on in. Hour number three of Real Golf Radio. Brian and Bob with you. Thanks for joining us. Dave Glauser producing, as always. And we appreciate you being with us every Saturday morning, 6 to 9, right here on 1280 The Zone. Welcome to the month of October. The best time, really, to play golf in the state of Utah. I know that sounds weird. We do have some some uh, questionable weather at times. We have to deal with some punched greens at times. But all in all, absolutely love me some fall golf uh, opportunities to get up in the mountains or play even the valley courses. The weather's perfect for perfect course conditions and hope you get out and enjoy it amongst the football and other things that you have going on. All right, Bob, before we get into uh, the topics at hand, and by the way, we got a tremendous show for you. If you've missed any part of the last two hours, uh, we are going to hook you up because it's been a good one. Johnny Miller spent uh, 25 minutes with us talking golf, looking back on his event at Safeway last week, his thoughts on retirement, some of his uh, takes on player of the year race and all that type of thing. So stand by. You're going to hear that interview in its entirety coming up in just a minute. The caddy also was uh, exceptional as usual, and you'll hear from him also. So that's all coming up here on the back nine hour, or excuse me, on hour number three. But before we get to the storylines, including the latest on our local tour pros, let me ask you a question, Bob. Uh-huh. I took the opportunity, well, I'm going to make it a statement, then a question. I took the opportunity to go play nine holes by myself the other day, and I walked, and I have not walked for a while. And you know what happened when I walked? Mm. I had plenty of time to think. And so I, f- I found myself thinking of topics and things we could talk about on the show, and there you go. things that just popped into my head. And here's one of them. I want to throw it at you, okay? Okay. As I wandered through and I saw all the egregious faux pas that my fellow golfers tend to leave behind, uh-huh. their trail they leave behind before as they play, which is the most egregious of these golf faux pas, the bad rake job or no rake job, the divot or lack thereof of filling or replacing the divot, or the ball mark that is left in the green that needs to be replaced. Which one of those is most egregious in your mind? I would say ball marks on the green. Mm, okay, tell me why. Well, we want surfaces when we're putting yes. um, to be able to make putts. And if we're constantly fix, fixing ball marks, then we have a difficult time of, of being able to make so, those those putts, especially if they're in, in your line and that kind of thing. The other important thing is if you get on that ball mark as soon as as soon as you get onto the green, if you see that ball mark, make sure you fix that and make sure you fix, you know, a couple of others. But the faster you get, you fix that ball mark, the the faster it's going to heal, and then it's going to keep your greens better. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, I believe it was maybe Mark Wetzel back in the day. We had him on the show, and he he threw out some stat that after an hour, yeah, of an unfixed ball mark in the sun, the damage is done. Yep. And so you're going to end up with those little brown spots or whatever. And and there's nothing more frustrating, Bob. And that was my, by the way, my first uh, reaction was to go ball mark because there's nothing worse than getting up there and think you hit a perfect putt and it's online and it bounces off because of someone's unkept ball mark or what have you or bad ball. Mark. But of most egregious, I'm going to disagree with you because the one thing you can do with a ball mark is fix it on your yes. own. However, if you happen, your ball happens into a divot in the middle of the fairway, the USGA and all of their Infinite kindness yeah, uh, makes us play it out of that hole. Yeah. Or if it ends up in a bad rake job, 
or no rig job, you have to play it out of that, That's right? That's true. So I decided that while my first initial reaction was to go ball mark, because we all, for all the reasons you just mentioned, I'm going with rake job or divot one and one A, simply because you don't have the opportunity to improve that situation. No, you don't have the opportunity to improve it, but the person that is playing in front of you that did that, they have the opportunity to make sure that it's right for you to be able to play play golf. So um, and just if they make don't, sure that you take care of those things. That's right. And if they don't, do you have the right playing behind them, having just been in that unraked, unkept bunker? Do you have the opportunity to hit your driver into the back of their head on the next tee? <laughs> <clears throat> no, you don't. Don't do that. No. 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 I, don't, I, I don't endorse that. Don't do that. So the other thing you go do, Brian, yeah, is when you're out playing on your own and you're walking, hit two balls. I'm, I did. Play two balls all the way for the full nine holes, and then by the time you're done, you've played 18. There oh, you go. Oh, hey. All right. I will tell you this. In the, in the, in the slow play discussion, okay, mm-hmm. I'm 45 years old, completely out of shape. I packed my clubs which I'm breaking in the new Jaws MD5 wedges, and I forgot that I had my old wedges and the new wedges in, so I was carrying 17 (laughs) clubs, right? Plus, I didn't know what the weather was going to do. I had like three jackets. I'm like, this is the worst setup for carrying. I don't care. First of all, I never walk, and I don't usually carry. So anyway, I was hoofing, and I was following a threesome. I waited on every tee, and I still played in an hour and a half. There you go. Got to like it. Walking. So there you go. Um, just wanted to throw that out there. There's no reason for slow play. I waited and I walked and I finished in an hour and a half. So no reason. There's no reason we need to be taking six freaking hours to play golf out there. So use that for what it's worth. All right, Bob, our local tour pros, uh, that are out and about, by the way, as you're pulling up their stats, Tony was out at the range at Alpine this week. I saw him, uh, by, he flew into town from playing overseas and he mm-hmm. and his son were playing the next, that day, I think he flew in. That was because Monday, right. yeah. He was he was out there with his son just finishing up a round of golf with Drace. That was cool. I talked to him for a few minutes. The next day he was on the range just getting ready to leave and he was waiting to be picked up. <laughs> his wife and family were coming to pick him up. They must have <laughs> dropped him off. And he saw a couple of juniors that were on the range. It was just me and a couple of juniors. And he walked over to those juniors and started hitting balls next to them. And then he That's sat awesome. down behind them and he talked to them about their game and they watched their swing and told them good job and all this stuff. And it was so cool that a top 10 player in the world just interrupts some juniors range session and gives them that little moment that they'll never forget. That's that was really cool. So hats off. Well done, Tony on that. Anyway, with that story, how's Zach and Tony doing so far? Okay, so Tony, uh, as we know, last year, uh, he played 25 events. He made the cut in 20 of those and finished top 25 or better in 12 of those um, that he made the cut in. He had he had two seconds and a third. Uh, as we know, he, he played extremely well in the Open Championship and uh, was in the final group at the Masters. Tony um, played has played this year so far in the, in the new year or – after um, the tour championship, new in that season, kind of new season. He's played two events in Europe, uh, the BMW championship and the Alfred Dunhill links championship. He tied for 51st in the BMW and 10th in the Alfred Dunhill links. And he's playing this week for the first time on the PGA tour. All right. Uh, Zach Blair uh, got his card back from the corn Ferry tour, finishing in the top 25 of the corn Ferry tour. And, uh, was able to punch his ticket back to the PGA Tour. He's currently played three events so far. Uh, Sanderson's Farms and the Military Tribute at the Greenbrier. He missed the cut in both events, but last week he had a great a great tournament, finished tied for fourth, 
at the Safeway Open. And it, and uh, so it's great to see him get a top 10 already right off the bat. Did you say tied for fourth? Tied for fourth. <laughs> <laughs> did he get some lucky charms? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> what did he make for fourth? What, what did he get? He made two hundred and seventy-seven thousand seven hundred and fifty bucks last week for fourth. Yahtzee! All yep. right, it's a good start. Yep. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad gig at all. So, all nope. right. Well, best of luck to both of those guys as they continue their careers out there on the PGA Tour. All right. Uh, as we mentioned, we've got a great show for you here on Real Golf Radio. It's brought to you in part by Zion's Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And uh, top of the order is our good friend, America's favorite caddy. There are bag rats, and then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf Radio. Yeah, the caddy joins us each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio and has been with us for, gosh, going on 20 years. And we love having the caddy on. In fact, just this week, I had somebody pull me aside and they said, on an unrelated topic, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but who's the caddy? And I just started laughing. (laughs) Caddy, how are you, man? Who's your caddy? (laughs) You are. I am waiting for my 20-year gold watch. That's what I'm waiting for. You didn't get it? That's 25. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hang in there. Got to hang in there. Bye. We can get you we can get you a pin though. A real nice uh, one. A lapel pin. I'm going to need the, a, a lapel to have one gonna, of those. That is exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. He's going to have to actually wear a lapel or a collar for that matter. <laughs> I'm not sure I own a tie anymore. <laughs> well, I'm sure that one of my kids will be uh, having a wedding in the next couple of years. So uh, find yourself a tie because you'll be invited. When I graduated from college, my father gave me some advice. And one of those quips was, the only thing that would disappoint me would be if you went out right away and got a real job. So I just took that to heart for the next 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, when you were on tour caddying, it was a part-time job. It sure was. It's always a part-time job. There's no such thing as full-time tour caddying. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, ask our viewers. Uh, our viewers. <laughs> okay. Thanks for radio, like Fred Funk used to say. Right. Um, yeah, uh part-time job so is there anything where we would say working 28 weeks a year is a full-time job can we make that into a full-time job i don't think so world greatest paid exercise part-time torque i guess yeah and you get to travel all over the world yeah well before phil started bragging about his calves his franken calves uh, you know, Caddy, I remember Caddy used to be pretty proud of those calves that he had when he was full-time tour Caddy or part-time, caddy. full-time, part-time. There's a lot of, yeah, Caddy Cab, I guess you could call them, right? Caddy Cab. It's a good Twitter handle. Yep. Caddy's calves coming at you. You're always thinking, aren't you, Brian? Yep. I was in New Zealand one time, and there was a couple there that had obviously were retired and traveling the world. And they started chatting with them, and 
We're in some beautiful place in the middle of nowhere. I think it was the Franz Josef Glacier, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, they were talking about how they planned all their lives to take this incredible trip to New Zealand once they retired. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm 26 years old, and I just flew here on a whim last week from Hawaii. <laughs> I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> it's true. I mean, hey, you've had some amazing experiences. I mean, think about it. Places you've been, things you've seen and experienced. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and and there's so many good stories from from all the guys. I, I mean, I think I, I've had some pretty good luck on things, and then I think about somebody like think about Stevie or Bones, guys like that. Who, gosh, I mean, put me to shame on the stories and experiences, and I and it's a uh, that's when you have, that's one thing you have to be careful of when you're on the tour, whether you're playing, catting, whatever. You have to keep perspective because you're in such a, a high level of stuff. Whatever you're doing, whether you're a caddy or at the highest level of that profession, if you're playing golf, you're at the highest level of that profession. And you can be pretty gar- darn good and think you're not doing well because you're you're lacking perspective, right? So, but you know you know how that is, Bob. A guy just barely keeping his card and he thinks he's terrible. He thinks he's awful. Yeah, Why and he's making seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Or now it's a million something, right? So it's like, yeah, it's it, it, it maybe just it's an indictment on the game of golf, maybe about how mentally cruel it is to a human being. It's it's a tough game mentally, but it is you, you kind of step away from it. You think because uh, there there were always a number of caddies who, of course, had real jobs and real careers and etc. And I, all the time you you hear them saying. No matter how bad it bad it got, caddying, they'd always say, "Well, it's way better than working." <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard work. It's hard. It's hard work. Don't don't think it's it not is. hard work. Yep. But uh, boy, it's um, it's more of a life. You know, why are the guys like White Fluff still out there? Well, he just loves doing it. He loves the lifestyle. He loves the circus. Sitting around at dinner, telling the stories every night telling the same stories to the same people every night you never get tired of it it's great that's that's why do why do guys go out to, to commentate why, why are they spending 20 weeks commentating on tv all these successful guys they sure don't need the money they just probably like being back out there being around the boys and you know the camaraderie it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to leave that it really is so, Caddy, uh, <clears throat> how many in your time on tour, the 20, how many years were you out there, by the way? A couple decades, huh? I think about 25. Yeah. So, 25. Yeah. Did you get your gold watch? <laughs> I actually do have one. Um, do you want to hear the story? Yeah. I'd love to. And then I'll get back to my question. Go ahead. So, we're invited to play in, in, a, in a pro-am one time, and overseas. I, I, I won't go into all the details, but let's just say there was a nice uh, swag, bunch of swag there. Um, and uh, my player's upstairs in his condo with his wife, and he yells down. He says, hey, go through the go through the bags. Tell us what, what's in them. So I'm going through and then get to the uh, watches and his and her Rolex watch. <laughs> and I said, oh, I got a, his and her Rolex watch. And my player goes, ah, you want it? And I go, 
I said, well, under one circumstance. He goes, what's that? And I go, you can't ever, ever regret this decision you're making right now, this rash decision you're making. And he goes, all right, but you got to wear it. I said, all right, I'll wear it. So I wore it like two times and then I put it away somewhere. <laughs> but it, it was a beautiful watch. I'll tell you what, it was a beautiful watch. Do you know where it is? Uh, yes, I did. Oh, okay. All right. You said you put it away somewhere. I didn't know if you'd now forgotten where it is. I've forgotten most other things that I've put away. You got, you're like Ty Webb with a bunch of just uncashed checks lying around your living room that's or right. whatever. Rolexes. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty much me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey, Caddy, last week, last week in the final round of the Safeway in, in Napa at Silverado, you sent us a text after Cameron Champ hit his final drive on the 18th hole, and you said that had to have gone 460 yards. Um, your thoughts about how far he hits that ball? I still have not seen him hit a ball in person, but I certainly know know the courses and watched it and and all that kind of stuff. And I think the craziest thing about Cameron Champ is that it doesn't look like he's doing it when you watch him. He, he doesn't look like he's... You watch Jamie Sadlowski, who's a good golfer and won the national one guard. You watch him swing a golf club, you know that thing's going a long way. You watch Bubba Watson swing, you know it's going a long way. Cameron just doesn't look like he's doing that, generating that kind of speed. That's how athletically efficient he is. So... Yeah, he also hits down on the ball significantly. Now, at that club at seed, you think that's not as efficient as hitting level or up on it, and it may not be, which is kind of scary. That he's is he hitting it that long, and he's not even hitting it as long as he could. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I'm not sure exactly about all that mechanics of those seeds, but yeah, what a what an incredible. I think pretty highly of him as a golfer. He's good. I, I think technically, a great golf player. I just, uh, yeah, who knows why he didn't play well for the last year? But I, I don't think it, he, it won't surprise me if he has a lot more success than he's had so far. He he, he looks he's pretty impressive to me. So, would you take him if you were Tiger? Would you take him right now with one of your four picks for the Presidents Cup? No? No, because oh. I can find I can find four guys who have had a better six months than he has. Right, right. But it's not – I mean, they're, why, why wait? Why wait all this time if you're not going to pick someone that's winning right now that's, uh, you know, on fire and saw it? I mean, that's kind of part of it, right? Uh, well, yes, but the President's Cup is in December, and this is October, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on between now and then. I don't know when the deadline is for making picks, First of November, first week of November. Right, so a whole month. We've got a whole month. So I'd rather know who's playing well the last couple of weeks of October than the last week of September if I'm going to just pick the guy who's played well for the last two weeks and ignored the entire amount of time before that. So that, that would just be right off the bat. I'd say, gosh, I know I can – there's certain – I don't think Cameron's played that well besides winning the tournament lately. So maybe I'm correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, certainly guys like Patrick Cantlay has played really well the whole year. 
he'd have to be up. You know, guy just comes to mind right like that. Um, the, you know, there's a, there's a number of other guys. So now, if if Cameron wins another one or finishes in the top five a couple times, then he's got some momentum, and, and now you start thinking, oh, maybe. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Hey, before we let you go, uh, the question I was going to ask you before the watch was, uh, how many times on the PGA Tour when you were caddying did you see someone, caddy, player, manager, what have you, extend a single-finger greeting? And <laughs> did, was anything done about that, uh, let alone a three-year suspension from the tour that they were playing? I don't remember anything being done, but you don't hear about fines at all on the tour. You don't really know about them. Have I seen that? I I think there's probably one or two of those I can come up with. I remember Willie Wood did that on the 16th tee at Scottsdale. Remember, you know, the 16th hole. When yeah. This is before grandstands. This is in the early days of the 16th hole when it was just ropes and crowds, and it was all – the fraternity folks from ASU and and it was a lot of it was always a lot of fun but it was just beginning and he kind of did it jokingly and uh, oh it was tremendous the reaction he got from it I mean they just loved it they just ate it up but he didn't do it seriously. He did it joking. Okay. Uh, that was the caddy who joined us right here in hour number one. If you missed it, there you go. Hooking you up right here on 1280 The Zone. It's brought to you in part by Siegfried and Jensen. 801-222-2222. Siegfried and Jensen. More Real Golf continues next. Hi, this is Ned Siegfried. Siegfried and Jensen can help you if you've been injured in an accident. However, one thing we can't do is change the amount of your insurance coverage. You need to do that before an accident. By calling your insurance agent today, you can significantly raise your insurance limits for literally pennies a day. You'll be shocked to find out how little it costs to really protect yourself and your family. To learn more about this and other important elements of an accident, visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Golf course superintendents are the unsung heroes of our great game. Due to the game's efforts, we now have turf that needs less water, courses that are more sustainable, with many now offering natural wildlife habitats. From the days of old Tom Morris, golf course superintendents have given golfers a reason to love this great game. But don't take my word for it. Jack Nicholas agrees. If you love golf like I do, thank a golf course superintendent. A message from the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America and local superintendents everywhere. This is Bob Casper for Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm a Traeger guy, and I got their Timberline 1300 from Barbecue Pit Stop. It comes with a Wi-Fi app where you can see and adjust your cooking temps while sitting on your couch or if you're out and about. My Timberline has 1,300 square inches of cooking space and the ability to cook up to 12 chickens, 15 racks of ribs, or 12 pork butts. I love my Traeger grill, and you can pick up yours today from Barbecue Pit Stop with locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, Layton, or at barbecuepitstop.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. 
This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. The first tee can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker. But true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course, by how well they use values like confidence, perseverance, and integrity in their daily lives. The first tee helps young men and women become better golfers, but even more important, better people. Get involved. Visit thefirsttee.org. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with their sizzling summer savings specials. Look for hot deals on items like TaylorMade TP5 Picks Golf Balls, now two dozen for only $80. Cleveland CVX Wedges for only $99.99. That's a $30 savings. And save up to $200 on Rogue Irons. Just a few of the hot specials you'll find now at Uinta Golf Shop sizzling summer savings. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee, serving golfers since 1970. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. We welcome you back to the show. Brian and Bob with you. Thanks for joining us here every Saturday morning, 6 to 9. Real Golf Radio in its 20th year right here on 1280 The Zone. Brought to you in part by Barbecue Pit Stop. They've got three locations up and down the Wasatch Front, Lehigh, Salt Lake, and Layton. We're online at barbecuepitstop.com. This is where you go to become a barbecue pit stop master, whether you want one of their great smokers and grills, such as a Yoder YS640S with its Wi-Fi and versatility. Or a Timberline 1300 Traeger with uh, an outstanding Wi-Fi interface. Yes, you do have the Wi-Fi interface advantage on me. I'll give you that, but I like a lot of other things about the Yoder better. But anyway, regardless, if or if you want a big green egg or a Memphis or any of the barbe- barbecue needs that you have, smokers or outdoor kitchens, they're available at Barbecue Pit Stop, plus all the raw rubs, sauces, you know, pellets, tools, everything you need. They'll, they'll turn you into a barbecue pit stop, a barbecue master at barbecue pit stop or barbecue pit stop.com. All right. As we mentioned, we had an opportunity to catch up with the hall of famer, Johnny Miller. He spent quite a bit of time with us. If you missed it, here he is. Johnny, how are you? Pretty good there. Nice to be on the show there, Bobby and Brian. Um, yeah. I haven't talked too much golf lately. I'm retired. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's why well, we wanted but- to bug you. Yeah, and yeah. and you oh. did have some airtime in the booth last week. Yeah, they uh, I I did that mostly for Silver Rock Resort and Spa, just to you know to represent them and represent my own ownership there, and and um, you know just say hi to everybody. It was sort of nice to be back on the air a bit. So it was, it was good. It was a good tournament, really good tournament, you know. And um, 
you know, you know, the guys that played quite well, uh, and uh, Cameron Champ sort of, after going into a slump, so to speak, he looked like he's uh, ready to conquer the world. You know, that guy, I imagine hitting a drive an eight iron on the last hole, par five. I mean, that is ridiculous, you know, how long he can hit the ball. And he had his iron game's good, and his putting was really good, and his scrambling, which is usually weak, he was number one in scrambling last week. So that's that's why he won all that just to win by one shot over Hadwin. So yeah, it was, all in all, it came, when it came down to the wire with Hadwin bringing the last three holes and Champ having to birdie eighteen, so he didn't have a playoff. So all in all, yeah, it was good, really good. Hey, before we talk more about Cameron and some of the guys, I just got to ask you, do you miss it at all? I mean, do you miss being in the booth and covering and talking about the game that you've done for so long? You know, the actual doing it, I sort of miss, but not having to every week uh, bone up on uh, my homework and make sure I know what's going on on tour and, you know, who's doing what and all, all that stuff was, you know, even though even if you don't work but one every three weeks, you still have to, you almost repair like you're on every week. So that part of it was sort of like being back in school, except for, you know, you had finals about every three weeks, you know. So it, it was, uh, that part of it was, 29 years of that was probably enough. And, um, you know, at, at my age, 72, that was probably a good time. At 50 years on the road, 21 playing and 29 announcing. Yeah, I felt like it was sort of time. And I hadn't really lost anything as far as my ability to announce. Uh, it's not like I... Went over. I was over the hill, but I just thought, yeah, it's about time with all the all the grandkids I got. It was about time to hang them up, hang it up. So yeah, I missed it a little bit, but um, you know, time goes. You know, time passes, and you gotta you gotta adjust uh, as you get older to other things. So hey, you know, I'm happy. Nice to have some. I'm down here at Pebble Beach. I'm looking at the ocean rolling in, and uh, I feel like Jimmy Buffett here. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is a pretty place. We had a chance to see it when we were there for the U.S. Open in June. But you're still getting a little bit of a, of a fix with your podcast, right? Uh, the podcast, uh, you know, I did a couple couple of them, and uh, I thought, man, here we go again. I got to bone up on the tour and know what's going on. And, and after that, I said, after two of us, I told Callaway, you know, I think I don't want to do anymore. You know, that, that was, you know, it was, uh, I could do it, but I just don't want to get back on the on uh, you know the the boat so to speak the BJ tour boat and so so that that's that's over with now so you know you know I'll sort of go off in the sunset uh, <laughs> a little bit you know I'll probably do a couple of things every once in a while but you know it's it's not going to be totally retirement sort of mulling over possibly doing a church mission or whatever so uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, that's fantastic. Johnny Miller joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So let me go back to Cameron Champ. I mean, what an emotional story unfolded there at Silverado, uh, winning it uh, with his grandpa, not uh, what, several, you know, 60 miles uh, up the coast or whatever, and uh, in hospice and, and that whole story. I mean, just amazing. You, you know, it's 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 interesting how these things tend to play out in sports and what emotions can do for a competitor and sometimes taking his mind off of it, sometimes focusing him a little better. But uh, wow, what what just just to see the emotion and how that all played out. That's why people tune in to watch live sports. It was really special. Yeah, it was no doubt about it. And you know, maybe it took the edge off of uh, and put the game in perspective that it's not his whole life and. You know, that was something bigger. His grandfather 
uh, with the cancers when it started on playing golf when he was a little boy and you know it was it was very tender there was no doubt about it, it was very tender and he, he sort of I think he played for his grandpa I think he just it was meant to be you know yeah I think it was meant to be that he'd have a great week and and have all the home crowd he had the biggest crowd of anybody last week uh, all those guys from Sacramento came down and um, you know, it just, it, it couldn't have been any better. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long his grandfather's going to live, but, um, you know, it couldn't have been nicer for him to be able to see that and be able to watch it. And, and his father was, it was there at the tournament. And, um, and the guy, I got to meet them and, you know, it just, um, you know, it just, it was, it was a nice story and it was uh, very touching, no doubt. You know, it was pretty cool to see uh, what he had written on the on the soles of his shoes and that kind of thing. And and here he is, Cameron Champ, um, less than what? Well, about a year off the, off the the Web.com tour. He won his second event uh, in his first year, and he won his second event of this year. Uh, what do you think his uh, future holds as far as uh, a player on the PGA Tour? And just you already alluded to it, how far he hits the ball. Yeah, I mean, his upside is, you know, you looked at, I, I really studied his game big time. I'm thinking, how did he have this big down time? Uh, you know, I looked at him and he was sort of hitting those little interpretive iron shots where he swung real smoothly and instead of just bombing it every time and looking around the green, he looked great and putting stroke. He's just, just got this gorgeous long backswing putting stroke and ball really rolls off his putter with no real hit. And, and he was able to make those putts on the Polana greens that some of the other guys couldn't read. And then, of course, his driver was, you know, it was almost unreal. I mean, it, the upside to this guy is just off the charts. But I'm not sure how he gets on these down trends. I'm, I don't know what's going on in his head when that happens. Because when you looked at him last week, you'd think, you know, he's ready to beat. He's ready to beat anybody, whether it's Kepka or Rory or whatever, Dustin. You know, these guys that everybody thinks are so wonderful. You look at Cameron Champ's game against them when he's playing his best. He's every bit as good, uh, and he hits it quite a bit farther than those guys. So, I mean, he's hitting eight iron. He hit eight iron into 16. Most guys could hardly reach that in two. He hit eight iron there. Then he hit eight iron into 18 on the last day on par five. And, I mean, you know, that's, that's ridiculous is what it is. It's just, I mean, what he could do to a golf course. So, you know, I, I'm not sure what goes on when he's not on, but I saw what goes on when he is. So that was pretty amazing to watch. That's really well said. Johnny Miller joining us here on Real Golf Radio. You, you mentioned uh, that you don't know what happens in these downtimes. He sort of alluded to or, or basically said that, you know, after winning, put a lot of pressure on himself. You were a player who early on jumped onto the scene uh, as an amateur at the U.S. Open and then, you, you know, continuing on. How, how does a young player deal with that, and how, do, how does the maturity of winning again um, maybe mitigate some of the pressure he put on himself a year ago and, 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 and maybe eliminate the downtime like he had a year ago? There's so much goes into being a winner on tour. You know, you got to be able to be a closer. And um, I, I, I uh, like your dad, Billy Casper, uh, uh, was a – uh, talking about Bobby, of course, um, was a very good closer myself. But a lot of these guys, uh, whether it's a Ricky Fowler or whatever, um, are not good closers. And so uh, he wasn't even given them a chance to close. But, you know, you have to look at your game. The, what I, the feeling I had all the time is I'm getting better, sort of like a Rocky movie. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better, you know. 
yeah, I kept feeling like I was getting better when I first came on tour. And then I finally came on tour in April of 69 and 71. I won the Southern Open. And then um, won a couple the next two years. And then, the, uh, you know, just uh, the valve opened up. And uh, I just started winning a lot, you know. And uh, But um, uh, it, it didn't take me too long to figure it out. But, you know, you got to analyze your game. Nowadays, you can analyze your game with all the stats they have out there. But, um, you know, it's a it's a fine line why why some people can win a lot, some people can win once a year, and some people can win three times their, their whole career, and yet they all look pretty good on the surface. So it's obviously it's what goes on under the surface is the most important, you know, because there's a lot of guys that look like winners when you look them on the driving range. You know, Johnny, you, you had mentioned uh, Rory and Brooks Kepka um, and uh, talked a little bit about Cameron Champ and, and looking like, you know, he's a world beater. Rory and Brooks Kepka both won three times last year. Uh, Kepka wins, of course, the PGA Championship for the second year in a row. And, uh, and in the Player of the Year race, um, the, the Player of the Year was voted for Rory McIlroy. Your thoughts about uh, what transpired there? You know, it seemed like that um, Kepka had it locked up, and then you know Rory did win the Players Championship. I guess you alluded to, and uh, and uh, he won the FedEx. And I don't know, maybe the, the tour. You know, those are those are the two inside uh, tournaments. Uh, the, the Players uh, tournaments. You know, with player the, the PGA Tour owns uh, both of those events, and uh, maybe I don't, <laughs> seemed like. You know, I thought Kepka had it locked up, but, you know, I guess the players vote, and I don't know, maybe some of that stuff that Kepka did uh, the second part of the tour, uh, year when he was sort of saying that, you know, almost like he he was sort of bragging a little bit, and which, you know, in a way he deserved to be able to brag, but some of those photo shoots he did and whatever, maybe, maybe it was ill-timed for Player of the Year award since the players do vote on those, so... I don't know, you know, Kepka he, he marches to his own beat, and uh, he's good for the tour. It's good to have guys that um, are a little different, and he is different. You know, he somehow believes that he can. He's made to win the big ones, so um, so far so good in that regard for him. So yeah, it, it was interesting, but I I thought that he Kepka should have won Player of the Year, even though Glory had a great year too. So they're both. They could have had. They could have had co-players of the year. That would probably be would have been more popular. <laughs> yeah, and today yeah, everybody gets a trophy. As a player, did you care about that type of thing? How much does that really mean, or is there a lot of truth to what he's saying? It's a, it's nice kind of for the fans and the popularity, but but really it doesn't matter unless you're winning, the big, especially winning the big ones. Yeah, there's truth to that. Um, you know, the, those kind of words take care of themselves. You know, obviously uh, I was playing right up against Jack Nicklaus in his prime, and wasn't too easy to get player of the year with him around and even with Trevino and a lot of the other guys that were, you know, top players then. So I got it once and, um, I had to win eight times to get it, uh, on in 74. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I wasn't too worried about that kind of stuff to be honest. It's good for endorsements and good for, uh, it's nice to win a few of those things, but, uh, bottom line is I'd like to know how many tournaments when you finish your career, how many tournaments you've won and, and of course, and how many big tournaments you've won. That's, that's a, both those things I think are, you know, like if you look at Tiger's career, he focuses on, on the 15 uh, majors, but, you know, the fact that he's right there, uh, almost ready to tie Sam Snead's record 
uh, is amazing to me to win yeah. was it 73, 73 times is it 70, he's 80, pushing 80 yeah. yeah he's 81 right now yeah. pushing 82 yeah that's what it was 81 so I mean uh, that's pretty darn amazing you know to be able to walk down the 18th hole uh, 72nd hole that many times and win that's that's like almost to me more impressive than uh, how many majors I mean it really is to be able to win that many times is like nuts isn't it i mean that's really your dad won 50 right didn't he yeah 51 um, yep you won did they give him they keep adding tournaments to people well they took one people. away from him <laughs> oh did they really okay. yeah they well, took took havana cuba they took the cuban havana cuba okay so, yeah but, so yeah it, all those things are good for discussion and and good for people, the listeners and the and the fans of the game to be able to contemplate and argue about. And, you know, it's good for the game. Yep. Johnny Miller joining us here on Real Golf Radio. We're talking about the, the Ryder Cup being a year away, and there was a press conference this week. Whistling Straits will host in Wisconsin. You know, it's hard to see that the U.S. team is a favorite, even though everybody always says every year they're the dominant favorite on paper. And the U.S. has found a way to win here on U.S. soil of recent, uh, you know, the last time it was here. But what, I mean, what it, what needs to happen? What needs to change, I guess, for this U.S. Uh, Ryder Cup team to get some dominance back as to the similar uh, that you had when you guys played? Well, you know, in our era, you had guys who were great Ryder Cuppers. I mean, you know, just like guys like Lanny Watkins, even Nicholas and Palmer and your Casper uh, and uh, Trevino and all these guys were great head-to-head players, Floyd. Um, but this generation head-to-head in the Ryder Cup, you know, look at Tiger and Phil, their records are ridiculously terrible. I mean, just terrible. I, I mean, that's why, one of the main reasons why the U.S. is, is not one, was they won one of the last five Ryder Cups and had to be at home to do it at, at Hazeltine. But, um, uh, just the, the core group have not had good records in the Ryder Cup. And you got to hand it to the Europeans. They they thrive on it. You know, they start talking about the Ryder Cup the, the week after the Ryder Cup's over, even though it's two years away. I mean, it, to them, that's the, the ultimate uh, prize of your uh, of your playing career is, is uh, getting on that Ryder Cup, European Ryder Cup team. And so uh, you'd think that put too much pressure, but they just, I don't know what they're, their recipe is, you know, uh, but they have a recipe on how to uh, play these Ryder Cups and how to set up set up the courses for them. But they they, they win in, in the U.S. also, you know. Ever since you know, ever since the Fab Five from Europe, you know, Seve and the boys, um, uh, you know, were included in the Ryder Cup um, Ryder Cup uh, team for Europe. Uh, it's just been basically the U.S. is had their problems you know they haven't been able to beat them that often so it's it's quite a feat now to be able to overcome that because it's almost like there's so much pressure on the u.s to win uh, you know just even to make the event exciting it's important that the u.s beats the writer uh, the europeans once in a while i think otherwise you know it starts losing a little bit of its uh, charm so to speak so uh, i don't know you know i wouldn't call the u.s uh I definitely wouldn't call them favorites. You know, it might be fairly close to even Steven being in the U.S. Uh, um, next year, but um, it's um, it's sort of a the U.S. is in a, in a quandary. They got to figure out how to how to get this pod system going again or whatever the heck. 
um, Stricker is going to do. He's been assistant captain a lot, and he knows he sort of knows the deal. But you still got to make those putts, don't you? you <laughs> hit, the sh- but, hit the shots so and you, make the putts. You can hit, hit talk about it all you want, but those Europeans, man, they are tough. You know, they they can play under pressure. They you know they play sort of scrappy tour and all over creation and you know different conditions and a lot of different lousy weather and. They just, the Europeans are, are tough, especially when you're playing, you know, playing head to head, you know, so to speak. And they, they're able to uh, team up really well on the you know, different team matches, and you know, it, they're a tough team to beat. That's all there is to it. Well, the bottom and, line is, sorry, Bob. Bottom line is, is somehow these guys that you've never heard of before, they just they go into a phone booth and come out as superstars just just by putting on a Ryder Cup jersey. You know, I mean, they, it's it's unbelievable. And and the guys that are stars that everybody knows that are the guys winning majors and multiple tournaments on tour. You know, best players, world rankings, all that stuff. They go into the phone booth and they come out as an amateur. It's it's just strange, you know, for the U.S. team. Yeah. It's just it's just it's it's really hard to explain. I know. Well, the really important thing is that first first day of the Ryder Cup on Friday to get off to a good start. You know, if you can get you can get you get leading after Friday, um, you know, I think that's sort of the secret. If the U.S. wants to win, they they need to be you have a lead going into Saturday, and uh, we'll see if they can pull that off. And yet, conversely, you know, this year is a President's Cup year, and we seem to dominate the President's Cup year after year after time they that they play it yeah it is uh, you know you're uh, you're i mean the international team is really um they have just haven't gelled they haven't they don't do squat they play worse than the u.s does in the in the Ryder cup <laughs> like <laughs> exactly they can't make the they can't make the putts they don't seem to have much synergy and um you know but that, that could change too but man it's been one very been lopsided uh, in the President's Cup, and the U.S. has enjoyed winning that anyway. But the big one is that Ryder Cup. That's maybe some ways the biggest event in golf. It really is an amazing um, competition. Hey, Johnny, before we let you go, and we appreciate you taking some time with us, uh, there's been a lot of discussion on slow play. The European Tour trying to do some things. They've got a four-point approach where they're going to monitor they're going to um, post school, uh, times on on certain tee boxes. They're going to inc- you know start actually putting down and levying some some penalties. Uh, what are your thoughts on slow play and what can change? I don't remember this being you know, and obviously I, I wasn't around as much when you were in your prime. But was slow play a, a problem back then? Is this just more publicized, or has it just gotten worse? Well, it's gotten worse, and it, it really starts possibly even in junior golf and especially in collegiate the collegiate golf the guys play really slowly and they're getting a little bit better now but uh, you know when the pre-shot routine came along uh that really slowed things down and then when the you know the yardage is you see you know, in our era when i first came on tour you just eyeballed your you know, there was no yardage nobody had yardage but but the bottom line is is with the ball with the line on the ball and how long it takes them to get that line right and uh they just you know they're they're not playing the game as a game. They're playing the game as uh, you know, like working the game. It's uh, you know, it's getting to be scientific, so to speak. And uh, that some guys are just really slow. They probably the same guy that drives uh, that the plays slow probably drives forty five miles an hour in the left lane in the freeway. You know, they, <laughs> they they don't even know they're slow. They really don't. 
you talk to them, they'll say, you're playing really slow. What are you talking about? I don't, I don't play slow. And you know, the bottom line is that's sort of the way, way it is out there. The slow guys are, you know, slow. They, they have to monitor the guys that are really slow, and they need to probably post it in the locker room. So, And maybe even with the press, or who's playing the slowest? You know, they should have average time it takes for the show below if they burn hard longer or something, uh, that kind of player, and, and see see who is really taking their time once it's their turn to hit. A lot of them don't get ready to hit until – uh, it's their turn because they want their pre-shot routine to be uh, unaffected by anything. They just start their pre-shot routine and go through the whole thing instead of having you know the yardage and the club selection all already figured out when they're waiting for the other guy to hit. You know they don't do that's one thing that they could Im- improve on is uh, how long it takes for them to get up and running for every shot. So and you know I, I think some of the things in the game need to be changed. I think the spring effect on the clubs needs to be totally taken away. Um, I just think that that's ridiculous, and in the ball possibly maybe toned down a little bit. I mean, when guys are like Gamer Champs hitting eight irons to par fives that we didn't used to be able to hit in two in my prime, and I had 117 miles an hour club at sea with a D9 driver, which is so much heavier than their clubs. Um, you know, they it's not like you know, everybody thinks it's all because of working out, but some guys just had speed, you know, and I, not that I was the fastest because I wasn't, but, um, you know, I think that, that it's gotten a little carried away on how far the t- tour guys are hitting the ball with the new equipment because, you know, people don't realize this, but in the bins at, at all the different club manufacturers, they have bins that show how much spring effect. They'll have a number on this bin, and in the, you know, in the bin it shows clubs that are a little bit illegal, and then it even puts a number on the guys that are, the clubs that are right on the button, almost illegal, and then they have ones that have a little less uh, spring effect and a little, even a little less spring, spring effect. All right, Johnny Miller joining us right here on Real Golf Radio, which is brought to you in part by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. Stop by and see him up and down the Wasatch Front at Uinta Golf. More Real Golf continues next. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. 
This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free. Or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with their sizzling summer savings specials. Look for hot deals on items like TaylorMade TP5 Picks Golf Balls, now two dozen for only $80. Cleveland CVX Wedges for only $99.99. That's a $30 savings. And save up to $200 on Rogue Irons. Just a few of the hot specials you'll find now at Uinta Golf Shop sizzling summer savings. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee, serving golfers since 1970. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you. This segment brought to you by Hoops Vision and HoopsVision.com. Again, all you need to do is go to HoopsVision.com, schedule your free, no obligation consultation, mention Real Golf Radio, and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. I talk to Hoops almost on a regular basis, and they are constantly coming up with new and latest and greatest technologies. So if you haven't been a candidate in the past, you might be now. You need to stop by and see them, and once again, mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 on your procedure. The best in the best, the Hall of Famers, the golfers, everybody enjoys and has has chosen our friends at Hoops Vision. So be sure to do that and get out to their website at HoopsVision.com, including Bob and me. Yep, we did it. I'll tell you what, I don't know what I was waiting for, what took so long. I mean, once you see, it's the miracle happens. It's easier than going to the dentist. Sorry, Dr. Hadfield, but I'm just saying it's easier <laughs> than going to the dentist. It's, it's a no-brainer um, at HoopsVision or HoopsVision.com. All right, uh, we appreciate everybody for joining us. Johnny Miller, of course. Uh, if you missed Casey Brozick, our Callaway Pro Spotlight, worth the listen. You can get it all on our website at RealGolfRadio.com or Twitter handle at 
Real Golf, Adam Shupak, uh, the caddy. It was a, it was tremendous. It was a great show. Thanks to Dave Glauser, our producer. For Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real. 